Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. If you use a smart speaker, you can always ask Alexa to enable the SOS radio skill. The classic novel from Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, was originally written back in 1843, believe it or not, in December. You know, it was a story that's been remade a lot of different times. A lot of different movies have been made out of it as well. We're talking with Allison Pittman today at Us With Radio. Dickens' A Christmas Carol inspired you because it challenges you to think a little bit about preparation, about your own heart, about pride and reconciliation when you dig into the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. Absolutely. I mean, if we can reach into the heart of somebody like Ebenezer Scrooge and watch that Often in turn, our own hearts have no challenges. You know, just as Jesus changed the world in one night on his birth, Ebenezer Scrooge changed a lot in a single night as well with all these supernatural visitations. Uh, we're talking with Allison Pittman today at SWS Radio. She's a best-selling author. And Allison, what have you noticed about the way that God keeps knocking when we seem to be living like we don't really need him? <laughs> You know, he, he the beautiful story of Scrooge and the encounters that he has with the Christ character is that it hits from all different angles. And so sometimes we need to look at our past and see what is it that's fed into me that's made me who I am now. And sometimes we have to look at our present and see what's happening around me and what can I do to change and make things better. And then you have to look into your future and think, what legacy am I going to leave behind? You know, I don't think that Scrooge was really that concerned with his eternal state as much as he was what is going to be thought of me after I'm gone. And so I think we all need to, if nothing else, think if something happened to me, how would I be remembered? How would I be revered? How would people talk about me? Uh, we're talking with Allison Pittman on SOS Radio, and she just wrote a book called Keeping Christmas. It's 25 Advent Reflections on A Christmas Carol, like the Dickens classic novel. And, you know, as you were researching this, obviously you were a fan of the literature, but when you start noticing these spiritual themes there and doing a little bit of research about that, what did you learn about Dickens' intentions? Well, I have to admit that I think I took a lot of license with Dickens' intentions. So I'd like to assume that he was on the same mind path that I was on. But it's it's unmistakable to see when you really look into the symbolism and the way that he describes the spirits that come, that Ebenezer Scrooge is not coming into contact with ghosts. He is coming into contact with representations of Christ himself. And it's just, it's all there when you have a ghost that has the empty scabbard. Well, that's the Prince of Peace. When he has a crown of icicles around his head, well, that's our crown of thorns. You know, all of these little details in the physical descriptions of the ghosts, you can point straight to either metaphors that we have for Christ or how he represents himself. And so I don't know if... Charles Dickens himself was as intent upon that as I saw, but to me, I couldn't miss it. So I just figured they were little hidden gems of truth that he left behind for us. 
You know, there's so many different characters in the Christmas story that all shape our understanding of the bigger message of transformation that God's brewing through the nativity. And I'm Scott Harold on SWS Radio. We're talking with Allison Pittman today. She's a best-selling author. And Allison, we were talking about the correlation between Dickens' Christmas Carol. And you look at all of the different characters in that, from Bob Cratchit to even Mr. Fezziwig, you know, all of the family members around where Scrooge just sort of isolates and Scrooge just sort of wants to produce and he's almost like the Grinch before there was a Grinch. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> but when you dig into the characters, you notice how they frame this story in other ways to color his personality. A lot like how the characters in Jesus story colored that as we were foretelling who was coming and what this Messiah was going to look like. I love the the character of Fezziwig, who in some ways represents, you know, we know that Scrooge was his apprentice, and Fezziwig was this very successful merchant, but also threw a great Christmas party and (laughs) had these small gestures towards his employees to say, you take Christmas Day off and we celebrate and all of this, and all of these other characters that never, ever give up on Scrooge. I love the character of his nephew, who still invites him to Christmas every year. You know, he never, ever gives up on him. And we have to realize that Christ never gives up on us. Like, he's just there, and he's constant, and there's this open invitation all of the time. And I think Fred really represents that, that, but it's Scrooge who has to finally go to his house after refusing to go and insulting him. And even knowing that Fred's friends don't really like him, he still has to kind of swallow his pride and go. You know, when we think about Advent, you think a lot about the way that we prepare our heart. And is that your intent when you say, I want to write a book about Advent, or is it a different message that you wanted to challenge? I don't know so much that prepare the heart But I did want people to slow down and go through this story. One of my big things is I would love people to go and read the novel. I know we've all seen the movie and we've seen different versions of it, but there's not a single version out there that captures everything that's in the book that Dickens wrote. And in that, just sort of slow down and see piece by piece by piece the process by which we come to Christ. How do we slow it down and how do we break it up? And when I teach this with my students, I teach at a Christian school, I say, you know, sometimes we're not always comfortable sharing the gospel or feeling like we're qualified to share the Bible. But if you know the story of Scrooge and you really break it down into his path to redemption, it's the same path that we all take to Christ. And I think just taking a moment to piecemeal that out and look at it little by little. You know, the Christmas season stirs up a lot of different emotion in different people. Some like get ecstatic and lean into all the comfort and joy and celebrate that. And then others tend to experience a little more loneliness and depression this time of year based on, you know, what they've lived through in recent years. But regardless of which emotion we tend to feel, the whole idea of Emmanuel, meaning God with us, is really so true in all areas in December. Like our God who understands us, our God who feels our pain, our God God who's walked with us because he's been there, right? Right. And I love that, you know, when the character, the ghost of Marley at the very beginning comes to Scrooge and we want to say it's this kind of misconception that Scrooge was a miserable 
old man, that there's a distinct line in the text that said Scrooge was alone and he liked it. He had made his life this way. But he had a friend who was close enough to him to cross that barrier and come back and warn him. And I know that this can be a holiday season where people are alone and sometimes by choice, but sometimes not by it's by circumstance that you're alone and they might not be happy to be alone or content to be alone, but nobody ever really is who has Christ. And there's somebody out there and remembering that Jesus spent time as a living, breathing human being. And that's somebody who can be a comfort and a presence if you seek out that comfort and presence, even in the midst of loneliness. Now, Allison, A Christmas Carol essentially is a story about transformation. What's God been showing you about transformation over these last couple of years at Christmas? One thing that he has shown me, and this is an important point in the novel, is that Scrooge does not meet that moment until he's confronted with his own words. You know, when he has said at the beginning, are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? And then at the very end, after his heart has changed and those words come back and they're horrifying to him. And to me, in an age where we all have very strong opinions and we have all kinds of platforms to voice those opinions and say those things, I keep thinking, you know, what if these were spoken back to me? Or what if I heard these words from somebody else and then they were attributed to me and they're not something that sound kind or wise or anything that would enter into a meaningful dialogue? And if you just think about, boy, if those words were thrown back at me, would I be glad that I had said them? And that's just a lesson I've been learning Slowly, but I think better and better as time goes by to be careful what I say and be careful what I post, because if it came back 10 years down the road or five minutes down the road, will I be proud of those words, comfortable with them? And transformation is such an interesting thing because for some people it starts on the outside, for some people it starts on the inside, but when you understand the way that Jesus develops things in our heart, you know, you see that you develop that fruit of the Spirit when things are healthy, right? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and like self-control. And that's what we see with Scrooge. We have the moment where he tells the ghost of Christmas future, I am not the man I was when he looks at the covered corpse and he thinks that can't be me because I am not that person anymore. He has changed. He's become a new man, not just a better man. He's a new man. And so when he wakes up on that last Christmas morning and it's still Christmas morning, you see the fruits of the spirit just laid out in that day. He's laughing like he's never laughed before. He's being generous in buying the turkey, which he never would have done before. He greets people on the street and says hello to them and pats them on the head. He goes to church, but then as soon as he leaves church, he does the church by being kind and generous, and he goes to Fred's. And he is completely transformed and immediate transformation. It's that moment where people would see him and see the change. You know, when it said that he kept Christmas better than anybody, you know, and that was well known, people saw a change in him. And that's what the fruits of the Spirit, that's what they come down to, is our behavior. 
you can see generosity in somebody. You can see kindness and gentleness in how they are. And he has all of them on full display immediately that morning. Yeah, it's like you could discern when a heart's really changed when you see the fruit that's developed after the fact. Yeah, he's just so very, very public with it. And I think sometimes we're afraid of, you know, what will people say or will people really believe or, you know, are people going to just dredge up my past? And what I think is interesting is especially when he goes to Fred's house and he says, Merry Christmas, and I owe you so much more. And Fred doesn't say, oh, about time, you know, after ditching me for all these years, or, you know, he doesn't make any mention of Scrooge's past. And that's where we see how God is with our sin and who we were. He throws it away. It's just gone, and we're restored to something new. And if it's genuine, people are going to welcome it. Well, we're talking with Allison Pittman today at SWS Radio, and she wrote a book called Keeping Christmas, 25 Advent Reflections on a Christmas Carol. And when you think about the whole idea of what Advent is, what's God showed you about, you know, this whole idea of Advent before Christmas? Yeah, we all just need to slow down a little bit. I was talking with a friend of mine at church, and I used to be in charge of our Christmas Eve program. And we used to do a big kind of dramatic draw for the public for Christmas Eve. And I wrote it and I produced it and I directed it and everything. And then what I realized is that I made Christmas absolutely miserable for my own children because the week leading up to Christmas, I was at dress rehearsal and tech rehearsal and going crazy and Christmas Eve, I was just a big bundle of nerves with notes written all over my arms and everything and just throwing pizza on the table because I didn't have time to do anything else. And everything that you're involved in over the Christmas season can be time that's taken away from reflection and family time. And if you look at your Christmas, like your church's Christmas calendar, every event that's on that calendar means there's a tech crew that's there. There's musicians that are there. Those are custodians that need to stay late and clean up. That is all time that's taken away from reflection and relationship. And I just would, for me, I knew that I had to quit that, that time was just precious and I did not need to be the one in charge and have never looked back. And I really do urge churches and committees and everything to Take one thing off of your church calendar for next year for Christmas. You know, for one children's concert that you have, have a spring concert instead, because it just digs into family time and our time is precious. And there's just sometimes you can do without one event or without one party or without one gathering so that you can just stay home and reflect and love with each other. Well, we're talking with Allison Pittman today at SWS Radio on her new book, Keeping Christmas, is out. Hey, Merry Christmas, Allison. Thanks for calling in. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to everybody. God bless us, everyone. Thanks for listening to the SOS Radio Podcast with Scott Harold. If this discussion encouraged you, feel free to share it with your friends on social media. 